It's time for the Football Insider episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert and Tony Morrell. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Football Insider episode. J.C. Sherbert here with you along with Tony Morrell, a.k.a. the GCI, both of the thebigspur.com. Thanks for joining us today. Um, lots to talk about here in the world of Gamecock football. There always is. Uh, and, Tony, I, I guess the topic on everybody's mind, and I'm pretty sure we're going to get sick of talking about it, Within the next calendar week, uh, five-star Jordan Birch. Um, last time we talked, we were you know mentioning that he may visit LSU last weekend. Looks like that happened. Um, what's the latest on your end? I know I've heard a few things here and there, but it's it's so similar to what I heard before he uh, he committed back in December that you know I, I don't even know that there's any kind of there there. Uh, at this point but of course in recruiting you have to pay attention to everything yeah you do you know sources on south carolina's end of thing end of things remain pretty confident based on the feedback they're receiving uh but you know they also understand that you you can't just discount him taking that visit to lsu and and giving them you know coming off a national championship and the momentum they have right now as a program and the excitement surrounding their program uh, you, you can't just discount it. So, you know, the coaches are, are, are all over it. You know, Will Muschamp and Travis Robinson and Mike Peterson, John Scott. You know, there's a, a bunch of coaches at South Carolina who are involved in recruiting Jordan Birch. And uh, they're all doing a good job of staying on top of him. You know, he's scheduled to visit South Carolina this weekend. And I think that's it's extremely important, in my opinion, that he shows up for that visit. You know, I checked on it today um, prior to the show beginning and and – uh, the you know the Gamecocks are are pretty confident he's going to show up for the visit, which um, would be a, a a good step and give them the opportunity to sit down with him and his mom and and really address any concerns they might have. Uh, you know, get a better feel for exactly what they liked about LSU and and you know figure out a way to counter everything and and remind him and her why he chose South Carolina to begin with, and you know then. Uh, you know, get the opportunity to uh, to to try to get him back on board completely. So, um, you know, like you said, we don't know for sure that uh, he's seriously considering a change to LSU, but there are some sources out there who believe the Tigers are a legitimate factor. And and, uh, and like I said, the you know the Gamecock staff can't afford to take that lightly. Yeah, I think that there are some some other. Uh, just like before, there were some other folks that swore he was going to LSU. Some people said Georgia there at the end. Um, and I know, I know Georgia, just from people I've talked to over there, they were shocked. They were shocked. Georgia was shocked he went to South Carolina um, at the end. So, I don't know. I, I think it's probably still South Carolina. I would if I were the Gamecock staff. and I don't know what you think about this guy. I'd probably show him some old clips of Bo Pelini. Uh, who was named the new defensive coordinator at LSU, uh, taking Dave Aranda's place. I'd probably wind the tape of Aranda and then play it with Pelini back-to-back and maybe play that angle a little bit. But uh, Ed Orgeron's the head coach there and is a defensive line guru, so that may not even matter. But I think that, uh, you know, that that is an interesting trip that they took. Uh, I, you know, I I can't say I was totally shocked. Um but I wouldn't have been surprised had he not. You know, I, 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 I think what's interesting about what you said is, is the official visit this weekend. Many times, um, you know, fans and, and people that follow it think, oh, well, 
if he doesn't make the visit, that it, that's bad. And sometimes that's not. But And Jordan Birch was supposed to visit Carolina before he committed to begin with, ended up going to Georgia, ended up not hurting them. I agree with you, though, in this situation, considering where we're at and considering what's happened um, and considering what could happen and, you know, the term saving face, uh, things like that. You know, if they're going to go to LSU, I think a sign that that may happen would be they cut off contact with the Gamecock staff and do not make that visit because they've made up their mind to, to make a change. Uh, when I say they, I say Jordan and his mom because those are the deciders in this situation. Um, 24-7 Sports released its final rankings yesterday. We talked about that a little bit. I know we've talked about it on the site a bunch. Jordan dropped a little bit. He's still a consensus top 10 prospect, according to 24-7 Sports Composite. You know, I, I, I don't know that I would have put him 17th. Uh, I, could, I would have still probably had him hanging out in the top 10 if I were doing the rankings. Um, I certainly like him better than, than the kid going to Clemson, Miles Murphy, uh, although I do like Miles Murphy. Um, don't, don't like him quite as well as Brisset, I guess is how you say it now. I was asked that question the other day. But, Tony, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? You know, to me it's just a sign that, you know, Jordan probably needs to be developed a little bit more than, than say, a Jadevian Clowney uh, or a Marcus Lattimore type of prospect that comes in or, you know, even a guy that uh, like J- Jamie Robinson, who you know played a lot of high school football at a high level and was physically ready to go. Uh, I think physically Jordan is ready to go. I think that you know just his level of competition. It may take just a slight bit more time uh, for him to see the field and, and, and become the dominant player everybody thinks he can be. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, and I, I don't. I didn't have a big problem with the drop. I think it was a combination of him moving down a little bit and, and also some other guys moving ahead of him um, in, in the final rankings. But you know, he had a really good week at the Under Armour game against the best competition he's seen so far in his career and you know stacked up extremely well in practice, had a good game. Uh, but there, I don't think there's any question it's going to take him some time to adjust to the, the speed of the game, the, the size and strength of the players who are going to be blocking him. You know, he has the things you can't teach in terms of, you know, the explosiveness and and ability to get upfield uh, quickly. Uh, but when when a, a lineman gets their hands on him, he doesn't really know how to disengage because, you know, he's been blocked a lot of his career by, you know, 170 pound offensive lineman. And he's just bigger and stronger and faster and, and can just disengage so easily from those type players. So. You know, he's going to need to be coached. And uh, if he does end up at South Carolina, I think John Scott has, has shown that, you know, he, he took a, a defensive line with some question marks and, and I think got a lot out of them last year for South Carolina. And I think he'll be a good fit for Birch uh, to help coach him up and, and, you know, teach him the things that he needs to learn to, to excel in the SEC. But, the, the good news there is he is a, a great kid. He's an extremely hard worker. He's ex- very coachable, uh, great teammate. So I, I think he'll respond really well uh, to coaching and, and be the kind of player who can, can make some, some big strides quickly uh, given the, the, the tools he has to work with naturally. 24-7 Sports switched his projected position from strong side defensive end, or it may have been weak side even. I don't, I don't recall exactly. They're kind of the same thing these days. Uh, to defensive tackle, and I know we've talked about this, and, and, and I think with a lot of guys on the D-line, Will Muschamp's recruited, 
you know, they, they've ended up being the body types that have, that have put on the weight and slid inside. Uh, I know I have some thoughts about this that I, I've shared before, but, you know, what, what's your take on Jordan? I, I, I could kind of see it going either way, Tony. I, I really – I think with his build, um, you know, it's one of those things where you could you could see a, a couple of different scenarios happen. I, I like him on the edge because you and I both have sat here and talked about the Gamecocks needing edge rushers, and I think that's what he's really, really good at. Um but he is a bigger kid, you know, 270 pounds or so. So what uh, what's your take about sort of where he projects long term? Well, I think he has the kind of frame where he can play on the edge at, at you know, 280, maybe even up to 290, uh, especially in, in certain situations. You know, Shaq Lawson comes to mind as a guy at Clemson who, you know, stayed at defensive end and has, you know, despite getting in that, that range of the 280, 280 plus range, uh, and but had the athleticism and the explosiveness to stay out there, and I, I think Birch can do the same. Now, could he be Julius Peppers and and play defensive end at, at 310, 315 pounds? I don't know. You know, I think we'd have to wait and see how he develops and and and, and just how explosive he is and 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 how adept he is at, at getting upfield and getting off blocks and, and doing the kind of things that you have to do. Um, as a defensive end. But I, I think at the very least, he's probably going to see some time inside and outside, you know, depending on the, the formation, depending on the down and distance, you know, what kind of uh, personnel South Carolina has in the game. Uh, I think you're going to see the staff move him around, especially early in his career, and, and try to create some mismatches and, and give him the opportunity to to make some plays happen. So, uh, But it just depends on, you know, how strong he gets, how how much of his quickness and explosiveness he maintains as he gets bigger. You know, we've seen what they did with Kingsley and Agbare, a player who, you know, played his 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 first year in the 285, 290 range and and then played uh last year in the, the 260, 265 range and and was was better as a defensive end than he was playing on the inside. I don't know if they can you know with the way Birch is built, I don't know if if they can have him lose weight. He's just he's got such a big frame, and and uh, I think it is going to get bigger and stronger in a hurry uh, because that's another thing. He hasn't been in a, a true college weight program yet, so I think it just depends on how he feels out. And I'm not being noncommittal, but I, I do think at, at, at 285 or less, you can see him on the edge some. If he gets over that 300 pound range, and you know, I think it's much more likely he ends up playing more inside than out. Yeah, and I'll, I'll remind people, too, that, you know, Will Muschamp, as long as he's the D.C. slash head coach, uh, i.e. they don't go to another system. And, and we're going to talk about the defensive line in general uh, in, a, in a segment forthcoming on this episode. But uh, it's re- very multiple. I mean, if Florida Sharif Floyd, who we all remember, um, played defensive end for a whole year down there at like 310, um, it just kind of depends on who else you have and how that defensive front comes together and what they want to do. And like I said, that's a topic we're going to bring up pretty soon. So Jordan Birch, still no reason to worry or be concerned. I mean, I'd be concerned because it's, it's it, number one, we've all followed these types of recruitments over the years. Um, number two, he took a visit to the national champions. Um, but uh, I, I'm with you, Tony. As long as he shows up this weekend, uh, I, think, I think there's going to be some size of relief around Gamecock Nation next week, and it'll be a pretty happy next Wednesday. One week from today is the second signing day uh, 
and uh, we'll obviously probably be here talking about it, breaking everything down for you on the Inside the Game Guys podcast, also on thebigspur.com. Jerkari Caldwell uh, from Northwestern High School. Uh, I think you're pretty familiar with that football program uh, up there, the Trojans. Uh, 24-7 Sports brought him up to four stars. I agree with that. Uh, I think the kid looks really good on film, had a big senior year. Uh, some say he's the best receiver, uh, even though, you know, numerically South Carolina has a, two other four stars in, in Rico Powers and Mike Wyman in this class. Some say he's the best Carolina will get, and that's just not coming from analysts. That's coming from, you know, some folks inside the program. You know, what are your thoughts on him as a player uh, and how he can, uh, you know, help the game short-term, long-term at receiver? Well, I don't think there's any question he had the best senior year of all the receivers South Carolina is likely to sign in this class. And, you know, Mike Wyman did not have a great year, and, and his team as a whole did not have a great year, uh, and, and including some other highly rated players like Miles Murphy, who's going to North Carolina. Uh, you know, Page, the highly rated player in next year's class, uh, they, they did not have a good year. Um, one, one person characterized it as a terrible year. Uh, talking about Murphy and Page. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how those guys will, I guess, how Murphy pans out at North Carolina and, and, and how Page pans out as a recruit and, and whether he you know, rises or drops as the process goes on. But as far as Caldwell goes, uh, I really like his film. You know, he's a legit 6'4", has the speed to get behind the defense, knows how to use that height with his, you know, use his body control and leaping ability to go up and get the football high pointed. And, and it's just really a tough matchup for a cornerback on the outside. And, and you know, he came, I say came out of nowhere in the sense that he really didn't play much as a junior. He's a basketball player who, you know, made a, a late transition to football. And, you know, I, I think, you know, South Carolina's had a lot of success with, with receivers who were also really good, uh, basketball players, you know, Sidney Rice, Alshon Jeffrey, Shaq Rowland. You know, there's a number of guys who, um, you know, transitioned extremely well from what they learned on the basketball court to, to how they played the receiver position. And, and I think Caldwell has some similarities there. You know, it, it's it's not always easy for a receiver to play as a true freshman and, and to really excel. You know, there's just a, a lot to learn at that position. But I, I think uh, Caldwell has the opportunity to, to, given the returning personnel South Carolina has, I think Caldwell has a chance to, to work his way into the rotation and I think has a really bright future as a player uh, and, and a, a ton of upside for the coaching staff to work with. You know, one thing I look, look for in, in taller receivers, and, and you mentioned all those guys that play basketball um, and, and – that were taller. You know, Bruce Ellington obviously was a different type of receiver and a different type of basketball player. But, um, you know, the taller guys that play, one thing I look for is smoothness. I think that's one of the things that made Sidney Rice so good. Uh, he was just really smooth on the football field. You know, probably wasn't going to blow you away uh, with his 40 time or anything, but, you know, college, pros, whenever, Sidney was very smooth. And Alshon to a certain extent, too, you know, and then Shaq Rowland when he played as well. So, um, that's something to kind of look forward to. Uh, I like him, though. I, I think, you know, East Carolina, hats off to Mike Houston and his staff. They had this kid committed. <laughs> and uh, they were about to get a steal. Uh, we'd probably all been sitting here shaking our heads wondering who he was uh, when he when he played for East Carolina next year. But uh, I, I think that, um, you know, that's good. But his recruitment, you know, I, 
I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to say it bothered me, but it, it, and I'm not even going to say it surprised me because they tend to do this. Tennessee had him on campus for a visit last weekend. The Vols are now a finalist for Caldwell, so they've jumped in. Um, everything I hear still is Carolina's in really good shape. Uh, he's visiting officially this weekend. You know, what are your thoughts about Tennessee yet again making another move on a, on a South Carolina commit? Uh, well, I've, I've heard that South Carolina feels really good about their position coming into the visit this weekend. Um, he's talked about making his announcement on signing day, but it, there's also been some talk of him potentially making a decision this weekend. So we'll just have to wait and see what he decides to do there. But I, I think he's a player that, that the Gamecocks, it was a late offer. But they were engaged with him and and really started watching him at the beginning of the season. And they just wanted to be sure about him before they made the offer with him being an in-state player at a a high-profile program. They wanted to be sure before they extended the offer. And once they saw his senior film, they they made the offer and and have really been in, in good shape since then. Uh, I'd be shocked if, if he isn't a part of this class for the Gamecocks. You know, he did take the official visit to Tennessee over the weekend, but uh, I think the the groundwork was already in place for South Carolina, and I think it's going to be tough for them or, or any other program to overcome it. And uh, I think he'll he'll be playing his football in Columbia next year, uh, based on what I know right now. Yeah, here's a good sign for you. Clemson's got a little bit of space in their class, and you know they lost some guys to the pros. You know, T. Higgins. There's another one of the and Justin Ross. There's another two of those taller receivers that are very smooth. Uh, in my opinion. Uh, but they lost some guys, and um, they were kind of sniffing around, according to our Clemson 24-7 site. So here's a good sign for the Gamecocks. They ultimately decided not to offer. <laughs> and uh, so that kind of shows you. I've read quotes where Caldwell called the Gamecocks offers dream offer. And, you know, sometimes when guys say that, you know, if it's early, it doesn't matter. But when it's late like that, and and, and when you saw that, like, you know, the Carolina offer right right there after the decommitment from ECU, I I think the writing's on the wall. I'd be very stunned if Tennessee did anything to flip him uh, this past weekend. And I think it's pro- it's pretty positive that, you know, just from a perception standpoint, you know, Tennessee also wanted Xavier Leggett pretty bad, um, that they, we, they keep getting beat back in the state when it comes to players because the more they get, the more the chances are one day a player Carolina wants – is going to end up going to, to Knoxville, and, and I keep preaching that nobody in Columbia needs that to start happening again. We all lived through the 90s and the former era. <laughs> nobody wants a repeat of that where you see Tennessee winning a championship with four or five South Carolina guys in their starting lineup. That's just uh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a past memory nobody wants to relive. So I think it's kind of good that South Carolina continues to beat them on guys uh, within the state. All right, so – that's recruiting. Uh, we're going to talk about 2021 here in a bit. But I wanted to kind of morph into some topical discussion on the defensive line next year. We talked about Birch, where he may play. Uh, I thought Tony uh, Kingsley, Enik Barre, some call him JJ. Um, I thought that guy was a bright spot. If you're looking for bright spots toward the end of uh, the year, which there weren't very many. Um, besides the defense just sort of playing tough and wearing out. I thought Enigbari played with confidence. I thought he looked more explosive and he looked more like what he – like he knew more like what he was doing down to down. Uh, I thought he really started to come on, and I expect him to be a big part of this defensive line this coming year. 
Yeah, I do too. I think he's, you know, one of the players on the defensive side of the ball who's in the best position to to make a, a big jump from year two to year three, you know, given what we saw from him last year. He got better and better as he got more experience at defensive end, and I think he, he's absolutely a player that John Scott is, is counting on uh, to make a, a big impact for them next year. Um, they're also going to need Zach Pickens to make a big jump from year one to year two. You know, his playing time went up as the year went on as well. And, and he did his job well, but he didn't flash and, and make a, a ton of big plays. But I think you're going to see more big plays from, from him next year. Uh, Keir Thomas is back after essentially missing the entire year. Uh, you know, he, he um, you know, did see a little action late, but is a guy that, that, you know, has a ton of experience and has made some big plays for them. And I think they'll be glad to, to get him back in, in the rotation as a, a regular member up front. Uh, you know, Rick Sandage, you know, maybe didn't have the kind of year uh, he had hoped to have last year, but I think he's still a player with a lot of potential and a lot of ability. Devontae Davis was out for the entire year, uh, is going to be back, and is a guy that they think has a, a good bit of potential. But, you know, missing that year of development, I think, hurts him. But, you know, they, they certainly hope they can get uh, some things out of him. I thought Aaron Sterling actually played better than, than most expected him to last year. And, and we'll see if he can make a, uh, an even bigger jump uh, as a senior and, and, and make even more plays for him. But they're, they're going to need some, some help on the defensive line, and, and certainly Jordan Birch knows that, and that's one of the reasons why he picked South Carolina. So uh, you know, some of these other guys could get, get some looks too, but they're, they're going to have to continue to work some younger players in and, and, and start building more depth on the defensive line. Yeah, I, th- I think depth on the interior is something to look at. You know, Jabari Ellis, I think, is back as well. But you still, when you're when you're looking at Ellis and Thomas to play inside a lot, I think you give some things up. Not getting Jakeem Green, you know, Josh Belk leaving, you know, that that those guys are not wanting to play football anymore. But yeah, those those types of things as far as depth on the interior, I think, are are, are hurting the Gamecocks. Uh, that's not really a recruiting issue as much as it is like guys that they went and recruited and were counting on uh, things didn't work out. Uh, I want to ask you about Sandage. You know, I, I agree. I mean, you look at the, the play he made in the Georgia game was was unbelievable. I mean, it was <laughs> you kind of looked at it and you're like, wow, you know, this is this is a big four star defensive tackle with long arms, it's tall and physical, getting in the backfield, making a play against the Bulldogs. That's what you want. And so, you know, I, I I don't know. You know, is it consistency, do you think? I mean, I thought down the stretch in 2018, he was a bright spot, but you, you just didn't see him flash as much this past year as maybe you thought. Yeah, when I checked on him this year, you know, the response I got from someone inside the program was that he's just still a puppy. You know, he, he still has not – you know, really filled out physically, gotten as strong as he's going to get. He didn't redshirt. Uh, so, you know, it, that, that I think affected him a little bit from a, a weight room and development standpoint. So you, you want to try to redshirt as many of these guys as you can. And uh, I think that, that, you know, he's someone they need to, to really take a step forward in year three and, and be a bigger part of, of what they do and, and potentially win a starting job. You know, having, if he does step forward and, and he and Zach Pickens can be your starters inside. I think that that's you know some a five star and a four star with, and two guys with a lot of talent. So you know those those are are 
I think, two really key guys to start watching this spring uh, for the Gamecocks to see how they develop, if they become more consistent producers. And if they do, I think that would be a, a really good sign for the interior, at least in terms of the starters. But they would still need to, to continue to build depth behind them. Joe Anderson was a four-star guy out of Tennessee last year, looking in the spring early in Rolly. Um, Redshirt didn't play that much. Um, thought he looked pretty good in the spring last spring. A bigger end type. What do you see for him kind of uh, moving into this year? He's another one I really want to get a look at this spring uh, to see you know what he looks like. You know, He was an early enrollee who flashed, and, and uh, I think coming out of the spring last year, the expectation was that he was going to play a good bit, and it didn't end up playing out that way. Uh, but you know he did get a lot of reps on the scout team and and a lot of work as as a younger player a red shirt player and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he develops and 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 how much he can help them in in year two as a red shirt freshman because like you said he's a, a really talented kid who came in uh, as a four star they beat Notre Dame and Tennessee and several other big schools for him and uh, and and they really would would like to see him uh, you know become a, a part of the rotation and, and someone they can depend on. Uh, this year but I'll have a better feel once I I see him in the spring and and have a chance to to ask around a little bit more at that point so I'm looking at the buck position and I I don't know you know I I kind of this position drives me crazy because I understand it I I understand like the concept I think there's been some really great players over the years that have played it so South Carolina is basically looking at Rodriguez Fitton and Brad Johnson at that spot, and then you kind of look at it. If Birch comes in and he can get off the edge, good. And Aaron Sterling, who you mentioned, and you got Enigbari, provided they don't shift Enigbari to the buck. I, you know, I don't know that the defensive line is not is not tooled in terms of getting your best players on the field um, to do more four three or four two five, which is something we've talked about. Uh, but it, to me, I you know I I have questions at the buck after the departure of, of, of D.J. Wanham uh, heading into next year. I've heard good things about Fitton. You know, Brad Johnson took a red shirt last year, so maybe he takes a step. I uh, loved him as a prospect, but you know, that would be a question mark for me uh, is that hybrid spot. Yeah, and I don't think there's any question South Carolina's defense was better last year when they ran more four, more three, four, three, four, two, five, more of a traditional four-man front. Uh, something that that you know they really started doing from the Kentucky game on, and and it, it was a better defense in that formation. And I would have to think that's going to carry over to next year, although they do still have some some depth issues at linebacker. Uh, but you know Brad Johnson, I go back to to fall practice last year, and I, I checked with a source on who are who are a couple of the most important players that you guys really need to step forward. Uh, on defense and Brad Johnson was one of the guys who was mentioned and he ended up getting hurt and and missed the season and ended up redshirting uh, but I, I think he's some in some ways has been a forgotten player among the fans uh, but he came on towards the end of two years ago and I, I think he's a guy who could uh, step into those shoes and, and have a good year next year uh, especially as a pass rusher. Fitton is a guy I've heard good things about in terms of his development, but he redshirted and, and you know, as an, kind of like Joe Anderson, he's a guy we'll have a better feel for in the spring. But I would have to think they're going to use that position less uh, this year and going forward. Uh, I don't think Birch is a fit there. I think he, he outgrew that position uh, a long time ago, even though that, that's what they were selling him on earlier in the process. 
I think he's going to have to play with his hand down. I think having him out there at 275, 280 with, you know, playing standing up uh, would be tough, especially as a true freshman. So I think, you know, of the two, Brad Johnson is the one they're counting on the most and, and they need him to, to stay healthy and, and to, to be the kind of player they hoped he was going to be coming out of fall practice this year. Yeah, Brad Johnson, uh, keep in mind, folks, four-star guy, Gamecocks beat Virginia Tech on him out of Pendleton, South Carolina. You're right, sort of a forgotten man, I think. Uh, his first two years, he's probably a player that should have redshirted his first year, but they, they just didn't have the depth to do that. Um, so we'll see if he can make a move. I, he's a good kid. I remember going to visit him up at Pendleton when he was a recruit. Uh, really good person, you know, to meet, talk to back then, certainly – uh, was was sad to see him get injured and take a sort of a derailment last year, but maybe it works out for the best. All right, so the another position on offense everybody's cringing about right now, um, wide receiver. <laughs> and, you know, this is a spot we talked about Ja'Cory Caldwell earlier. Uh, and I want to say this. I love Shai Smith as a player. I think Shai Smith, I thought he was the number one player in the state when he came out that year over Ortre Smith. Um, I think he's made some really big plays for Carolina. I think he's the type of game breaker you need multiple of. Um, but some people, you know, maybe don't think he's a number one guy. Uh, I think he's going to have to be this year, Tony. And I think he's, you know, he's got to make that final step forward. Well, I don't think there's any question they need him to be. I, I'm not sure I would bet money on it happening. Uh, I just think he's he's so far in his career has looked more comfortable as a number two type guy. Um, and it, it, there's just a, a lot of other question marks around him when you look at the other players who are returning for South Carolina. And, and it's it's absolutely a position of concern uh, and probably the biggest concern for me personally on offense because um, I just don't think the offense can ever – function in the way they need it to without a lot more production from the receivers. So, you know, Shai Smith is the veteran. He's the most proven of all of the returning players. Uh, but, you know, whether he can be a guy that, that a defense has to account for on every play and and have to double team at times and, and just, you know, really can put a, an opposing de- – fear in an opposing defense, I'm just not sure he's that guy. Uh, I think he's more of a you know a slot guy that you, you create some mismatches with him and and you you take some shots down the field with him at times, uh, but you know they're going to miss not having a Brian Edwards uh, or a, a Debo Samuel or you know some of these guys that that they've had and and like we've talked about in past podcasts you know in situations like this it, it seems like South Carolina's always been able to find someone to step into that role and and produce. Uh, I'm just not sure Shai Smith is the one. Uh, I think the guy to, to keep an eye on right now is Xavier Leggett or Leggett, um, you know. But he's a guy who had some, some hands issues last year and, and had some some drops that that hurt them in a couple of games, and is certainly going to have to become a much more consistent producer and and uh, a guy that that uh, can do it play in and play out, which he has not shown just yet. But I think he has the the most potential to step into that kind of role. Yeah, I, I like him. He's big and he's fast, and I think that's uh, two important things there. But you're right, you, you know, inconsistency. Um, DeCarian Joyner and Jay Urich. I think I, I think it's Ulrich. I don't know why I always say Urich, guys. I apologize. I think it's Urich. It's Urich, and I, I say Urich all the time like an idiot. But um, 
Uh, I, I like Jay's skill set at receiver, man. Six five, he can run. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, I, I think maybe with the situation they had at quarterback last year, he and DeCarian both taking a step at receiver was maybe not in the cards. But uh, I think that uh, you know maybe moving forward uh, with a full off season, these guys have the potential to to step up and be a part of this. What are your thoughts? Well, I thought of the two, Joyner looked much more natural playing the receiver position. Uh, and that was with Urich really having more experience at the position. He, he practiced there in the spring some and, you know, had a big spring game. Uh, and, and there was some excitement about him over the course of the summer and, and, and heading into fall practice that he might be a guy who could help him. You know, Jake Bentley gets hurt. They end up having to move. Joiner and Urich back to quarterback after the first game. Joiner bounced back and forth as the season went on. Urich really worked more at, at, at quarterback than he did receiver, but they, they tried to work him in a few games and, and he had some drops and you know some some throws to him in traffic where he just didn't look comfortable catching the ball in those kind of situations. And that's really the the kind of thing where you just you have to 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 get more experience to get comfortable going over the middle in the sec you have to really be confident in what you're doing and i'm not sure he ever got to that point as a receiver i think there's no question he has some tools uh, in terms of his size and, and speed and uh you know but whether he can be a natural receiver and a guy that can count on game in and game out i think remains to be seen now joiner uh as a slot guy especially uh if he's going to practice solely at wide receiver and he can stay healthy I think he can help them at receiver and can be a big part of the offense. Uh, I think the thing that hurt him last year was the, the thing at first that I mentioned, his bouncing back and forth between quarterback and receiver. It, it's really that's a difficult thing to do. Uh, and then the hamstring that really slowed him down uh, almost the entire season. And he, he, I think even in that Georgia game when he came in and, and, and helped the team win, he was at least a step, maybe two steps slow. And, and just never really seemed to regain that explosiveness as, as the, the season went on. And, and hamstrings can do that to a player. So, And then I think you had a knee bothering him, some different things that, that also slowed him down. So if he can stay healthy, uh, I think he, he has the tools to, to be a, a uh, playmaker for them and, and uh, a guy who could take a big step, a big step forward if he's going to stay at receiver full time, which it looks like he is. Yeah, I think, too, uh, speaking of health, and, and this has been a big issue, uh, Ortray Smith and Ranricus Davis. I mean, I, I understand Ortray with the situation he had with his knee. That was very difficult um, to kind of get back to going. I, I, I've, I still think he's got to get faster. Um, I, I did think he had a good freshman year. I did think he had a good year in 2017. And he's got to at least return to form, I think, to be a guy that can help him. And then Rodriguez Davis, you know, boy, I just don't know that he's ever going to be healthy. And so, you know, that, those are two guys that, that I think could help them. But, you know, you're, you're, you're betting on something that really hasn't happened yet, and it's been several years. Yeah, especially with Davis. I, you know, I, I think anything they get out of him, you know, more than one game here, one game there is a bonus. Mm-hmm. And I, I know Will Muschamp consistently mentions him and – is a guy that he likes and, and he's worked through a lot and, and it'd be a great story if he stayed healthy and went on to have a great year. Don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd love to see it happen for him from a personal standpoint, because I know it's been extremely frustrating for him to, to deal with so many injuries. Uh, but 
to count on him staying healthy, I, I think would be a mistake because it just, uh, he hasn't been able to do it yet in his career. And it's been the same type of, you know, soft tissue injuries, the hamstring, the knee, the ankle, all these different things that are bothering him. And, and I just think it's going to be tough to, to, to bet on him as a, as a horse you can count on now, or Trey Smith, if he can get back to full speed and, and the knee is no longer bothering him, I don't think there's any question. He has the ability to be a productive receiver for them and, and uh, can be a much better receiver than he showed last year. Uh, I think he, he's another one who just never looked comfortable or healthy uh, because of the situation he was dealing with with the knee. You know, He had the, the surgery in the offseason and, and didn't do much in the spring and was limited over the summer and then full speed when, when practice opened up and then um, just never really – got to the point where the knee wasn't an issue for him. So hopefully for his sake, they can you know get him back to, to, to full health. And, and uh, if he can stay that way, uh, he, he's another one who could potentially step into Brian Edwards' position and, and, and be a, a playmaker for him. Kevion Mullins, too big, you think? You think position change for him? I don't know. You know, I, he, I asked about him towards the end of the season, and you know, they, they said he flashed – at times but just was not consistent and was not ready to be a part of the rotation um so i think this is a big spring for him and you know see how he performs and and where he is from a development standpoint Uh, but i i would say i would lean more towards him not being a big factor this year than than him getting to the point where he is yeah i think i think when you kind of look at it carolina you probably need Caldwell and Rico. If if Wyman can't, you know, if Wyman is is just if he's not the product of just a bad season, and if he's you know going to take some time, and of course he's already there, um, they're going to need Powers and Caldwell, uh, I think, to step up. Or you know, maybe not if Joiner and Leggett and, and Shy Smith and Ortrey Smith can do it. You know, maybe so. You don't you know you don't have to play seven receivers a game. You could play five or six, but. Uh, I think that uh, this is a position that they need to continue to put a premium on athleticism and speed at regardless. Because I, I think that that's just – that's kind of across the board what's lacking along with the injuries. So, Yeah, I don't think there's any question they have to get faster. Yeah. I just I – don't, I don't understand why they haven't offered some players that I think they could have landed who, who can stretch the field and, and give them more speed. Uh, you can only have so many 6'2", 6'3", 190-pound guys who can't really run – uh, and have that work out for you. So I, I have some questions about evaluations and some of the takes, and, and I don't think there's any question they have to get better there. And, and I think the hope is Mike Bobo in his presence and, and his eye that maybe he can uh, you know help overcome some of the things that have hindered them you know to this point in Muschamp's tenure. One would think, but I'll caution people, Georgia had the same issues. These 6'2", 200-pound guys they put at receiver and – you know, some of them, like Chris Conley, would outplay their athletic ability, but then a lot of them were just complete bust. You know, they it's hard to say Georgia never had good receivers, but, uh, you know, they, they that's a position, if you ask Georgia people, that, that they're glad Kirby Smart's kind of recruiting some of the smaller, faster guys and guys that can run and putting a premium on speed. All right, switching gears to 2021, um, Justice Boone from Sumter, we talked about him. You know, 6'5", 250-pound defensive lineman. Looks like the top prospect of the state. Georgia's offered. Uh, other schools coming in, offering Justice Boone. 
we don't have a four star in the state right now, but you know this is some pretty serious attention, Tony. Uh, your thoughts on him as a prospect? Um, and maybe maybe he's prop. Maybe he could be a little better than, than people think in terms of the ranking. Well, I, I do like him as a player, and think that that South Carolina made the right decision to to offer him early. As we're seeing some of these other schools jump on him, um, you know, he's he's six four, six five, two fifty, uh, and is another one who falls into the category of of having the tools that you can't teach. And uh, he's raw right now. He's going to need some development and and some some time, I think, before he'll be completely comfortable in a, in a college program. But um, you know, the Gamecocks were the first to offer and, and really, I think, got a head start on building a relationship with him. He was a regular attendee at games this season and, and uh, I think really likes the coaching staff. And, and I think they're, they're in a strong position with him right now. But, you know, Florida and Georgia and some other big schools have come in on him. Uh, so we'll see if, if uh, you know, South Carolina can maintain the momentum and build on it and, and close the deal. But uh, I think he's a, a player who has a chance to move into the four-star category uh, as the process continues. And, uh, you know, especially if he if he goes on to, to have a good summer at Combines and spring and summer at Combines and then, um, you know, has a, a good senior season. Uh, I think he's he's certainly a candidate to move up in the rankings. Yeah, I think Gamecocks are in good shape with him, too. Um, so when you sort of look around at 2021 now, junior days have been happening. I think the turnout's been pretty good. Uh, one of the kids that, that's kind of been talked about, this is another one Tennessee uh, is in on, uh, Tyron Ingram Dawkins from Gaffney. I like this kid. I think he's a big, strong defensive lineman. Uh, I know the Vols had him up there. I know some folks I talked to around Gaffney think the Gamecocks will get him if uh, he's a guy they really push for. What are your thoughts about him? Yeah, I, I think he's a, a, another one uh, who has a chance to to move up in the rankings as this process continues. Um, I, I, you know, I like guys out of Gaffney historically. Uh, you know, um, it's it's a program who's, that has produced a, a lot of of good college players uh, who uh, you know come into to a college program ready for the physicality and the uh, the things that are required of them. And uh, I think he's a, a, you know, a classic guy, uh, Gaffney type kid, really physical, good strength, um, you know, a little bit on the raw side right now when you watch him on film. But another one who has a lot of the things that you, you you're born with, not you know, not things that a coach can teach you. So, um, you know, I think he's another one that South Carolina did a good job of, of uh, you know, getting in on early. And, and I think they have a, a good shot to land him based on where things stand right now. Uh, were you surprised Tennessee offered uh, the one Gamecock commit to Marco Williams? I, I think we talked about this, that they're probably right behind, and Arkansas got in there, and then the Vols offered this week. <laughs> yeah, it's n- not a surprise, just <laughs> given uh, you know the, the history there. Now, and I, and I will say in fairness to them, there are some other times where uh, South Carolina follows them on some players, uh, mm-hmm. especially in the state of Georgia. So it, it's not always – uh, them following South Carolina and they do ex- they they give out more offers than just about anybody uh, it seems like and, and obviously they're not all committable um, when you do things that way uh, but they they seem to cast a wide net with their offers and 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 really uh, try to get in the game with as many players as they can and then you know get them into camp and and start narrowing things down after they work with them and and have a smaller board going forward but um but it i I would say it's not a surprise just 
given the way things have unfolded with a lot of other players, especially in state. Yeah. Well, all right. That's all the time we have today on the Football Insider episode of the Inside the Gamecast podcast. (laughs) Subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and uh, we will talk with you next week. Have a great day, Tony, and we'll talk to you soon. You too.